Some say life will beat you down and break your heart, steal your crown. So it started out, for God knows where. I guess I'll know. When I get there, I'm learning to fly around the clouds. But what goes up must come down. Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Chris Zarnick, joining us once again on the podcast. And we're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers last Thursday night defeating the Chicago Bears 35-14 to at Lambeau Field. And now before we get into all the particulars, Chris, this game feels like it was already 100 years ago. It really does, actually. Like, I know it was just uh, four or five days ago or something, but I'm, you know, I found myself actually watching highlights uh, right before <laughs> we started on this, trying to remember what it is. And as I'm watching the highlights, this is a pretty good performance. Absolutely. It's weird when you have those Thursday night games, because even yesterday... At the end of red zone, they're name dropping all of the three and one teams. And I noticed the Packers didn't come up. And I'm sure it's just because it's out of sight, out of mind. But it feels like those Thursday night games, if you play in one of those, you're almost not in the league on Sunday. Well, it's a, uh, you, they don't really talk about you on Sunday. I will tell you, though, uh, that my wife has said, you know, now football season starts on uh, on Thursday night and doesn't end until Monday night at midnight. I said, sure, what's wrong with that? That seems like the exact right way to do it. So, yeah, it's a long time ago, and um, and as we as we watched the game, I remember my son and I were, were getting ready to watch the game, and we knew, uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but we knew that we were having some trouble with our tackles and were really, really concerned about the Bears who have a significant pass rush, a significant defensive line, and mm-hmm. um, we had some people really step up there. Yeah, there definitely was some great performances that perhaps were unexpected. But we're talking about how long ago it felt like Thursday was. Something that was a very, very, very long time ago, I'm talking 1932, was the last time that the Green Bay Packers led the Chicago Bears in the head-to-head series. With the win on Thursday, they retook that lead in large part due to the absolute domination by Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers in this rivalry. And so we are now in a position in this longest storied rivalry in not only football, but perhaps most of pro sports, that we're actually... On top of this rivalry, nobody, my, my grandfather was perhaps <laughs> just born when the, the Packers lost the lead. Well, 96 years ago or something, <laughs> some ridiculously long time ago. And uh, you forget, you know, we always talk in Packerland about the Packers' dominance in the 60s and in the 90s. But uh, we, we have a tendency to kind of look past how we got uh, manhandled in the 70s and the 80s. And the Bears really racked up a number of wins there. Um, and so it's taken some time to come back, but it does tell you something about um, you know the value of rivalries in the in the NFL that uh, they always need something to talk about, and especially when one team isn't really that good, uh, <laughs> they need something to kind of um, I don't know spice up the introduction. And so uh, I really loved, for example, I don't know if you saw it, but I loved the introduction video that they had. That was it phenomenal. Was really spectacular. I, I don't know if that's something you can find on YouTube, but if you can find the entry uh, video for Thursday Night Football. It was an amazing 
uh, view of the Packer Bear rivalry over the last uh, almost 100 years. Yeah, a lot of great players involved in that. And it's funny that you said they need these rivalries to perhaps get people excited about these games. I think people are going to get excited for those teams involved anyways. But I noticed that probably four years ago, they transitioned talking about this from the greatest rivalry to the oldest. <laughs> It's not much of a rivalry if no, if the other team doesn't win very often, I suppose. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but let's get into the particulars of this game. And the Packers had a ton of injuries coming into the game. And to be fair, the Bears had quite a few as well. I had said on last week's podcast when I was uh, by myself that at this stage in the season with the condition the roster was in, I was more concerned that they won and style points really didn't mean anything. Well, the Packers delivered both. Not only did they pretty easily defeat the Chicago Bears, uh, but they did it with a lot of unknowns, and I think the win wasn't unexpected, but the way they did it certainly was. Yeah, it was a really dominant performance. Now, uh, again, Chicago looked, uh, frankly, inept at mm-hmm. some times, but you were going in here without, I mean, think about that. You were going with both without both offensive tackles, a person who had never played tackle in his career, not <laughs> high school, not, not college, not, not uh, never. Uh, steps out and plays left tackle against a really good team. And so I, I think we would have beaten a lot of teams. I think that's the point is is um, it wasn't just that we beat Chicago. I think we would have beaten an awful lot of teams with the effort. Uh, and if that's what you can do without the players, without a full complement of players, that really gives you hope for later on. Yeah, especially on a four-day week. I mean, this was straight up. You're playing a division opponent. You're not going to fool them with anything. On a four-day week, it's it's my guys against your guys. And for the Packers – almost second-tier guys, plus they're admittedly bright, bright stars. Right, right, sure. <laughs> but still, uh, to, to be that much better than the Bears in a game that really was over by about five minutes in when uh, Clay Matthews forced Glennon to fumble and they went up 14 nothing. Yeah, that was, a, that was a big play, and um, it was kind of amazing how, uh, how quickly it was over. It, it almost seemed like the Bears were demoralized, um, and if I were a Bears player and I was watching, you know, um, uh, you know, Mike Lennon play soccer with the uh, the snap like he did on the one fumble. Um, I think I'd be pretty disheartened too. So, so, but but again, you have to. You know, they didn't just uh, make those mistakes on their own. There was an awful lot of pressure, an awful lot of good things from the Packers, and this defense that we were really, really concerned about. You know, we still don't know what we have, but we were really, really concerned about. Uh, after Atlanta, really, they, you know, they shut down the team they were supposed to shut down. Yeah, definitely, and made them look pretty bad. Uh, Mike Glennon forced into four turnovers, including the aforementioned Clay Matthews sack. That was his 75th career sack. He's now the all-time leader in sacks in Packers history. Although, now it gives me the opportunity to talk history. There's a big asterisk next to that. Okay. Because sacks have only been an official total since 1982. So... There's a guy named John Turney, John Tunney or Turney, who's been uh, he's been a, a pro football researcher. I think he was a statistician at one point. He's been trying to tally those sacks pre 1982. Oh wow! And as the further you go back, the more difficult it is. But his estimations are that Ezra Johnson, the old Packer, right. uh, drafted in I believe 1978, he had a hundred sacks in his career, and 86 of those would have been in Green Bay. So potentially he's the leader. Willie Davis, he estimated, had in the high 90s. I don't know how many of those were in his short stint in Cleveland versus Green right, Bay. Right. So we'll let Clay Matthews have the record. He's been one of the best pass rushers in the history of the Packers. But if you want to get technical, it's probably Ezra Johnson or Willie Davis with sure, the record. Sure, sure. Exactly. And you know who he beat out. You know who Clay Matthews beat out. 
The old KGB. K, uh, Kabir Baja B. <laughs> Hamila, um, who was uh, a really great, a really good guy and a really good personality. So congratulations to Clay. And, uh, you know, be, uh, at the end of last year, if we would have said we, we have a, a resurgent Clay Matthews, uh, we would have been pretty happy. And so he looks, I don't know, you know Fountain of Youth or something or, or sees some people on the, right behind him on the depth chart or whatever it is. Yeah. He looks like he's much more, I don't know, engaged, you know, mm-hmm. fully present and engaged in the game. And uh, is trying to lead this defense again, which is a pretty um, boy. You get a number of leaders going here, and uh, you're going to have a pretty good thing. Absolutely. And the rest of the defense, um, they looked okay, but I don't exactly know how much they had to do. The Bears already are pulling the plug on this Mike Glennon experiment. There, there's I don't I didn't see anything official yet, but the talk is very serious that they're going with Mitch Trubisky already this this next coming. I week. think they actually announced it on the way. I, I was listening to it on the way over uh, to the studio, and so um, yeah, I think it's done. I think, uh, and how could you not? I mean, I yeah. Uh, but what were they thinking in the first place? Like, what a bizarre move on all fronts. Not only giving him the big money because you know did he even have one like flash of a good game in Tampa, and then they basically demand that he hosts a draft party to win over the fans, and the first thing they do is trade up to pick a quarterback. Yeah, you know, they just this has so, been so mishandled by the Bears. You know, the, the statistic that they said was the Packers have had uh, five starting quarterbacks in the last uh, 30 years. Now, they say five because remember when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Yeah, three had, or one year. Yeah, Seneca Wallace and um, and Matt Flynn and, and some other people. Mm-hmm. And Scott Zolzien, Zolzien, yeah. I think, right? Um, and the Bears have had 30. <laughs> so 30 um, in that period of time. But boy, oh boy, you know, think about, so I always think about, you know, our backup quarterback and there's so many conversations about getting trade. If you're the Bears and you can get the, you know, a three-year Packers back quarterback um, for second-round draft choice, mm-hmm. third-round draft choice, you're certainly not going to have to pay him $18 million a year guaranteed. No. And, and you have this proven quantity. Mike Glenn, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know who he was when the trade was came down. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I saw a picture of him like, oh, he's that really tall guy. Okay, mm-hmm. but I don't remember any highlights from him, so... You'd like to think that the leadership knows something you didn't, but I think I don't think they did this time. Yeah, when uh, the Buccaneers decided one year with Glennon on the roster they'd rather have Josh McCown and then draft a quarterback with the first pick in the draft, that kind of says that they didn't think much of Mike Glennon, and Tampa Bay is not ex- exactly Green Bay or San Francisco or Dallas where they're producing quarterbacks left and right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some places. I mean, you want you want to get a backup quarterback from Andy Reid or you want to get it from – Mike McCarthy, or um, you know, there are, there are some other uh, quarterback whispers out there. But I would, you know, uh, Tampa Bay is kind of where quarterbacks go to die. So, um, so I'm, you know, I'm I, I'm confused by it. But I think it's official. And um, and remember, Trubisky was not even the the uh, the number one quarterback consent by consensus. Yeah. He was. There was no some question about whether he was really a good fit or not. Yeah, it certainly wasn't like he was Andrew Luck or one of these guys that seemed like a home run. But I guess we'll see. The other rookie quarterbacks this year are, are doing okay, so we'll we'll see if potentially oh my gosh, he could did you fit see, in there. Uh, we'll talk about it later, maybe. Mm-hmm. But Deshaun Watson was um, yeah unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like like not and not just running the ball. So it's really easy when you have uh, a running quarterback that they they light it up like uh, RG three or something like that. 
he was dropping dimes on people, mm-hmm. and he was very calm in the pocket. And uh, I think they got, they, I think they have something really good going down there. Because if you know, uh, over the last few years, the Texans great defense, no offense, mm-hmm. and they scored fifty-seven <laughs> points yesterday. Fifty-seven. I'm not sure. Last time the Packers scored fifty-seven points. Uh, yeah, fifty-seven's a lot. So That's it's a big been number. A so uh, yeah, so so maybe there's hope in in Chicago. But boy, oh boy, I would be looking over my shoulder if I was in the leadership of of, of the Bears front office because that's an awful lot of errors to make right in a row well i sure hope there's no hope in chicago but uh (laughs) we'll we'll see what happens there uh before we wrap up talk on the defense so the big story coming out of thursday was demarius randall got burned for the touchdown right before halftime was said to have been taken out of the game a lot of mixed reports as to what happened but the consensus is there was some kind of argument between him and a coach originally it sounded like it might have been mccarthy but Mm -hmm. the more likely is that it was probably joe Wit. He was told to go back to the locker room, and then initially it was reported he went back to the locker room and didn't stay, went home. Wow. Now they're not quite sure. Um, supposedly he talked with McCarthy, and, and they're trying to hash things out, but as a former coach, what would you do if one of your players acted that way? Yeah, yeah. So, so this is, um, I've absolutely, uh, in my career, sent a player to the showers, absolutely, uh, and it has nothing to do with their play, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, there are some days you just don't have it, or some days where the person that you're matched up with is just better than you are, or they're, they've got a great scheme against you, and if you get burned and burned and we have to make a change, um, you know, you take that, you sit down, and you, uh, you know, you, you fight, live to fight another day. Um, but in this particular case, you know, Randall is showing, you know, we have a lot of youth on our roster, right? Yeah. Draft and develop has a lot of things, but but what you don't get with youth is maturity. Yeah. And and you get this distinct feeling that, that Randall was pretty mad about being taken off the field as if that's his choice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so, so <laughs> yeah. coach is coach, players play. <laughs> And so he had three interceptions, and they said, "I don't like you." Yeah, Get on exactly the right. If he, yeah. you know, if he was burning up the league, then then I, I would have to you know argue with him. But but we've seen a lot. Uh, we've seen Randall get uh, abused uh, yeah. last year, and then it, mm-hmm. you know that was his groin injury, and okay, so that must make it okay. But um, but now he's fully healthy and he's getting burned, and, and that's okay. I mm-hmm. mean, to be honest with you, maybe we drafted him in the first round and we made a mistake. I mean, yeah. you know, you draft somebody who only who played safety, yep. and you make him a <laughs> cornerback. It is no great surprise that they're not your not not your outstanding, uh, you know, starting starting corner. But but youth also brings with it you know, kind of impetuousness and mm-hmm. and ego and anger and. Um, I'm really impressed with how Mike McCarthy handled it. So, so, because, so you think he did the right thing, and well, you would not have have cut him or suspended him or anything like no, that. No, I, I think uh, I think that's a knee jerk reaction. I think that's okay. what you do when you're when you're not confident. That's when you do when you're trying to prove to the players who the coach is. Yeah. I think everybody on the Packers know who, <laughs> knows who the coach is, and there's no that's question about it. And the fact that he he in no uncertain terms said, "Listen, it's an internal issue. We're going to deal with it internally," and would not give the press anything. Would you know? It allowed Randall to save face. This, sure. if you think about this, in a, in a week or two, we won't be talking about this. Whether he plays a lot or doesn't mm-hmm. play a lot, there'll be something else. But if they start talking about what happened on the field, or they start talking about how his attitude's bad or whatever, this thing blows up in the media, and all of a sudden you've got this monster trailing along with you that, that you have to deal with along for the rest of the season. So mm-hmm. very good mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a, if a coach isn't willing to send a player to the showers, then who runs the team? Yeah, you know, who's running the team? So That's a good point. Uh, I'm super impressed with the way they did it. Uh, Mike McCarthy, if, if if he's anything, he's in charge. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, and Demarius Randall is a young guy who who has a great future ahead of him, but he, his future might not be as our number one cornerback. 
And at some point, you got to say, okay, just you know, go ahead and collect your two hundred fifty thousand dollars a game, yeah, yeah, and 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 guard the fourth guy and be happy that you're on a football team. So, yeah. um, so there we are. Yeah. yeah well, I guess we'll uh, we'll have to see what happens with him. Uh, it's been a while since he's shown some flashes, and he has. I mean, he hasn't been completely. Um, a washout like maybe a Mod Carroll or or even unfortunately Quentin Rollins played one snap last week, so he's going down that road. But I, I think with the state of their secondary and a lot of the things you described, that perhaps trying to do it is taking care of this matter as quietly as possible and moving on. Well, and you'll notice that you didn't hear any of the players talk about it either. So yeah. how many times in, in a team that's in disarray or that there's a vacuum of leadership? How many times do you have players who come up and kind of you know? sources tell us yeah. that other players were upset about it. I think some of the players are, are at that same point where, listen, um, you know, you're not, you're not the best starting corner. Kings are starting corner. You're maybe our third corner after, uh, after house and mm-hmm. no, you know, no, stay in your lane, know your place, stay in your lane. And, and um, so, so that stuff's being taken care of internally. And I'm, you know that's a really that's a sign of a really good organization. Absolutely. So hopefully, uh, hopefully this uh, defense can keep improving, keep getting healthy. Um, they're going to need all of those guys to step up once they start getting into a competition that's a little bit more stiff than Mike Glennon. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, we, what we're seeing though is uh, I, I know we need to move on, but I, I know there's a you know if you think about our starting five defensive linemen, we have five legit legitimate uh, defensive linemen. I mean, you talk about Lowry, and you talk about Clark, um, you talk about Francois. Um, Mike Daniels didn't even play, <laughs> yeah, right? Mike Daniels didn't even play. And then you've got um, Dial, who came over from San Francisco, and uh, and uh, Ahmad Brooks. Yeah, uh, he's yeah, he's on, played on well a bunch recently, of plays, actually. So I think what you're seeing is you finally have legitimate athletes with a certain attitude in place, and now you're just seeing the. Um, you know the scheme come into focus. We'll see when we uh, when we play somebody who can actually throw the ball downfield. <laughs> well, and I, I was just looking the rushing yards. So they held him to 103 rushing yards with Jordan Howard, who was I believe second in the NFL in rushing last year. It's uh, it'll be interesting, but it, it's another one of those things where a it's the Bears and b these Thursday night games seem to not really lead much to momentum or anything because they're such a weird I think teams are just trying to survive I, I, you know that's funny I was going to use the exact same term that you're just trying to go through and survive it and even in some cases winning or losing you know let's get out of here let's get healthy and and, and move on I did want to say um uh if anyone had any questions about Josh Jones <laughs> yes I think I think there those questions have been answered he is legitimately strong legitimately fast uh is a firebrand has attitude and um, boy, oh boy, just he seems like the most athletic guy on the field. And again, when's the last time you could say that about any Packer defensive player? Yeah, it's, it seems like it's been a while. All right, now let's talk about the Packers offense. Um, Aaron Rodgers, as efficient as we've seen him in a while with four touchdown passes, 18 to 26, 179 yards. Again, a weird game with a long delay in the middle of it. But uh, he picked his spots and, and was able to, uh, you know, pretty easily uh, pick up four more touchdowns. Are you saying that, uh, that that the offense caught lightning in a bottle in that game? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> okay, there you Very go. Very nice. <laughs> so uh, Jordy Nelson was on the receiving end of two of those, so he's already got five touchdowns through four games, which puts him on pace for 20. I doubt he'll get there. Uh, Jerry Rice in 1987 and Randy Moss in 2007 are the only guys to ever get to 20. So it would be interesting if he got there. But the more interesting thing is that he now, um, I'm trying to find it, but he now is starting to approach some pretty rare company. And if he can continue on this touchdown pace that he's been on, he's going to get into the 90 range. Wow. And granted, he's still got a ways to go. But if he he scores touchdowns the way he has since 2011 when he became a 
basically a full-time starter. If he retires with 90 touchdowns, there's nobody with that many touchdowns who's not in serious Hall of Fame consideration. I, I think that's right. And you know what's funny? We never talk about Jordy Nelson in those terms ever. It's You know, because he's a quiet guy and he's not flamboyant. Um, but, you know, he's kind of becoming the Chris Carter of, uh, yeah. of the Packers. All he does is catch touchdowns, you know. <laughs> like, he's forever uh, – that that chemistry between he and, and Rodgers is just so good that you see these back shoulder throws and they're, you know, they're just – their timing is just perfect. I watch him with amazement, by the way, because yeah. I know how difficult it is to get that timing exactly mm-hmm. around, you know, when nobody's on the field with you. And so now when you're, you're beating press coverage that way. So I think I think he's one of those really underappreciated people that, once again, just like having a great quarterback, you, you'll miss him when he's gone. Uh, but because he's not screaming to the, you know from the mountaintops every time he catches a touchdown, we kind of go, oh yeah, he's a you know he's a nice player. He's way more than a nice player. He's a special player. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great way to put it. Uh, Randall Cobb actually played, which was good because they were worried about him perhaps being injured. Uh, the big story um, pertaining to the offense, unfortunately, was the injury to Devonte Adams. He got a touchdown. Uh, before we go to the doom and gloom, because I know it's something you like to talk about, uh, we talked quite a bit about pick plays after the Ad- Atlanta game, and I- I'm sure these have been in the playbook for a long time, but they got called with some offensive pass interference penalties in Atlanta. They complained. The- People were thinking it wasn't quite um, maybe on the up and up. You explained that they were doing it wrong. Well, they did it a heck of a lot better on those first two touchdowns. Right. So I think if people have listened listened to the podcast, remember the conversation we had about the fact that uh, when we got called in Atlanta, we, you know, the Packers (laughs) and I got called in Atlanta, um, you know, Martellus Bennett was going out away from the quarterback, looking away from the quarterback when he sets his pick. Well, if you look at the first touchdown that Devontae Adams gets, and um, and Cobb essentially sets a pick. Cobb runs just a, a flat, straight slant route right at the person who's the inside person, right? So, and at the at, immediately as he takes off the ball, he looks right back at the quarterback. But he's running. I mean, I was running straight into him because mm-hmm. he has a right to that space as well. And so there was no way uh, a that they could call a pick, and b. Uh, Devonte Adams scored relatively easily, and there was uh, and and you, you, when you watch that play, you go. Man, we should do that every single time. Well, you know, I, I think what's really cool is that the second one, the second touchdown, so we were super efficient in the red zone. How mm-hmm. frustrated have you been in the past where the Packers get first and goal at the two and they throw three times and yeah, get the field Yeah, it's been goal? five years since they were an elite red zone team. Yeah, like, I think that's really true. Yeah. Well, you saw the makings of a really efficient red zone team there. Um, and again, without even the, the risk of a run, right? Yeah. So you don't even have that threat of the run. But on the second one, a really common combination, pick combination uh, at the goal line is where the inside receiver uh, goes out into the flat and the outside receiver comes back underneath him and sets kind of a natural pick and he comes inside, you know, almost like on a uh, like on a delayed slant. Mm-hmm. Well, they both run an amazing route. They both take two steps exactly into that route, which is probably the best known uh, offensive uh, route pattern mm-hmm. in the NFL yeah. to, to score in that, and so they showed them in two steps exactly that. And then Randall breaks back towards the uh, to the post, and I'm telling you, he is standing there all alone. What that means is that somebody finally we've got somebody who's really taking a hard look at it and saying, not just our guys will beat your guys. It's tough to score when when you're on the two yard line, you only have 12 yards, and you've got 11 players on the other team, you know, packed into that 12 yards. Um, so I'm really impressed, uh, genuinely impressed. 
by the kind of route patterns that they have. And so they learn from their errors. Mm-hmm. They learn from some of the players that do it, uh, the teams that do it best of all. And uh, I'm very, very hopeful of what that means going forward because there's also a, a number more conver- or, uh, combinations that can come out of that as well. There's more to come. Yeah, and hopefully that will include Devontae Adams because that was the scariest part of the game that we want to get to. So uh, Danny uh, Trevathan of the Bears, at, Devontae Adams was trying to extend a play. Trevathan lowered his helmet, hit him right with the crown. Um, Adams went down, uh, lost his mouthpiece. People immediately were asking for people to come out. It, it was about as scary as, of a scene as you see. And it, it turns out that it, Devontae Adams has a concussion, but he doesn't have any neck or serious head injuries, they're saying. First thing on my mind was Terrence Murphy. Oh, um, yeah. He had kind of a similar type injury where he was getting twisted while he got a concussion. He never played again. It looks like this won't happen with Devontae Adams, but people um, – Trevathan is going to be suspended for two games. He's appealing it. Um, What did you think of that hit? Well, so uh, if the NFL wanted to put out a film on what they're trying to remove from the game, that's that hit. Yeah. So you have two bears holding up Devontae Adams with his forward progress stopped. And it's it's literally like two people holding you and the other one just punches you as hard as they can right in the face. And the crown of his helmet goes right into his face mask, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, how can you see that as anything other than a purposeful, willful shot to try and hurt somebody? I, I, you know, there, there are a lot of plays that I disagree with the calls that come now with, yeah. the, with the hits, you know, because play, people, the Packers got called for one where the player was falling down. Yeah. And yeah. Clinton Dix, I think, hit him and it looked like a bad hit, but it really wasn't. Oh, yeah. Totally cool. They're trying to. F- kind of fell below where he was aiming. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so his head snapped and, and, and that happens in fast motion. So people, you know, find it hard to call. In this case, I mean, you could not have been more obvious if you had literally held, had two bears holding him by the arms mm-hmm. and had Trevathan just take a 15-yard running start and smash him in the face. So, um, you know, two games uh, is a pretty stern penalty, but boy, oh boy, I, I'll tell you, that's exactly how players' careers get ended. And mm-hmm. and uh, there was a, a, a collective hush that went over the stadium when that happened, and even the even the announcers were like, Okay, this could be really, really bad. Yeah, and I think I think two games is probably appropriate, but they need to institute some kind of targeting rule or something to make it more immediate. It's ridiculous that it's a hit that's worthy of a two-game suspension, and he's back on the field the next play. I think it's not good for the the perception of the league. It's perhaps not good for his safety either. Uh, but to me, and it's ninety-nine point nine percent on Trevathan. This hit. Here's one thing I wanted to bring up that's been a pet peeve of mine for a long time. Referees need to blow the whistle faster. Yep, yep. his forward progress was absolutely stopped. Because there are guys losing games on uh, Le'Veon Bell last year, I believe against San Diego. He is stopped. The whistle never comes. Mm -hmm. And the line pushed him into the end zone, and they win in the overtime. So Trevathan doesn't have to lower his helmet and make such a malicious hit, but the finishing off hit... I totally understand because these referees let these plays in college too. It happened multiple times in the Badgers Northwestern game. Stop letting, uh, making an opportunity for defensive players to put the finishing touch for offensive linemen to push the pile five more yards. If a guy is stopped, even if it's going to make some plays, maybe end a tad too soon, blow the whistle and end it. I completely agree. Uh, so first of all, the targeting rule is, is a great one in college Yeah, because not only do they, do they flag it, uh, but they, they kind of say, we think it's for targeting. Let's go take a look at the replay. Yeah. Well, what, what the official said in this case is, I didn't have enough information, and I didn't. it's not a reviewable play. Yeah. 
Well, why not? I mean, if there, anything should be replayable, it should be that. So I, I think your your analysis that you know a year or two ago the, the league said it's okay for offensive linemen to push from behind. That used to be a penalty, by the way. You used to be able. To, so so this as was, recently as like two thousand five in college. Yeah. So so you'll find this interesting because here's a, here's a really connect back to the past. Remember the picture of Bart Starr scoring in the ice bowl, right? Chuck, Chuck Mercine has his hands up in the air, and people assume that he's signaling touchdown. According to Chuck Mercine, he's showing the officials that he is not pushing Bart Starr in because that's a penalty that would have negated mm-hmm. one of the most uh, dynamic, one of the most memorable touchdowns in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And so it used to be that you couldn't help a runner in. And now, I mean, you see these scrums. It looks like a, a rugby scrum. Yeah. And so what are you going to do if you're, a, if you're a defensive player? Just let them go another 10 yards? Yeah. Because so, people uh, are losing games on these, and, and but I don't want to get too far away from it's Trevathan's fault. He right. shouldn't have done it. Uh, as a quick side note, if that referee would have called Chuck Mercine for assisting Bart Starr into the end zone, nobody ever would have seen him again. I think with how much <laughs> influence Vince Lombardi had. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah, and especially that since everybody sat for three and a half hours in 13 degree below weather, I think they would have they would have taken him fishing and uh, two people go out and one <laughs> only one person comes back. So hopefully it's a, t- the- it's, a, it's a terrible hit. It's uh, I know it happens. You know sometimes these things happen snap snap. But you can watch Trevathan mm-hmm. make a decision to take a running start and a stationary player. Uh, this is as bad as it gets. Yeah, so it looks like the early returns are for Devontae Adams that he's going to be okay, which is the most important thing coming out of this. But I think the NFL has some work to do as far as the rule book is concerned. But uh, you hate to see something like this bring that to an attention, but I definitely think it'll be a priority right. now uh, in the off season. All right, injuries. So those keep piling up. Kyle Murphy, who played pretty well against the Bengals, is on IR. Brett Goode, who came back for a cup of coffee, is also on IR. Ty Montgomery uh, left with a rib injury. It sounds like he's going to be okay. If not, it looks like Aaron Jones for the short term is going to be the guy. And this offensive line has been patchwork, so it's hard to evaluate the running game too harshly at this point. Right now, they're on pace to have the fewest rushing yards in team history over 16 games by a very comfortable margin. Wow. Um, the 20 or the 2005 Packers with the Amon Green and Najee Davenport and Tony Fisher and Sam Congato and Noah Heron and that revolving door of injuries uh-huh. is the team they're trying to catch right now. So a couple of things. Um, are you concerned that the running attack has been so paltry so far this year? And do you think Aaron Jones, if having to be the bell cow, is up to it, at least for a short period of time? Well, let's go back in history to the first podcast we did together, and, what, and we, had a, we had that uh, preseason game, and my only concern was what? Yeah. That we didn't run the ball, and, and this is the only time to figure out whether you can run the ball, and so here we are. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the problem here is that, uh, and I heard, I heard some people on the radio talking about it on the way over, it may be, listen, it may just be that Ty Montgomery is a is a perfect H back. He's the, he's the exact guy to put in the slot. Um, and, and, you know, you now have three true running backs who've played running back. It's a lovely story. Fantastic story. My frustration is I'm watching Ty Montgomery dance a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, where now where, um, Williams, uh, you know, <laughs> he should dance a little more. Yeah. He, I mean, he like literally, you know, we were talking about this in my office. If you say it's going to go in the three hole, like there could be 18 people in that hole and he's going to run right up their back. And so I, you know, th- that's something you can grow from though. You, you learn that, uh, as an NFL back because in college, especially on a good team, if that hole's supposed to be there, it usually is in yeah. NFL. That's not really true. Um, and again, he hasn't played for a year. He he had a year off, so maybe 
playing with a patchwork line, guys who've never played these positions before, and he hasn't played in a year, it might take a while for him to find his group. I agree. I mean, you don't run for 4,000 yards at BYU and suddenly forget how to run. Yeah. You know, there's just there's a different speed that happens. There's a different, you know, Le'Veon Bell is one of the best backs ever because he's incredibly slow to the mm-hmm. hole and and explodes through the hole. That's mm-hmm. forever the what you teach running backs, slow too fast through the hole. So, uh, but again, you know, here we have an experiment. Yep. We have Ty Montgomery, who uh, never played, and it was a great story, really enjoyed it, uh, played against a couple of teams. But now the teams have, uh, again, they've seen him on tape, they know who he is, and I just don't see him sticking his nose in there. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he's forever looking for the big play. Listen, if you're a running back and you can get four or five yards, you win. That, that's, yeah. that's winning. And the big the plays NFL. will present themselves. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah. you need a, a bunch of those four or five-yard games before you pop one open. So you think Aaron Jones has the potential oh. to uh, fill the gap at least for a while? He's got the longest gain of the season other than Aaron Rodgers with an 11-yard run. Yeah, so, so that tells you everything you need to know about a running game. But he, listen, again, a running back who's played a running back his whole life, unbelievably good pass receiver out of the backfield, um, reminds you a little bit of Le'Veon Bell, just mm-hmm. because now he's shorter than Le'Veon Bell, uh, but and, uh, but he's almost the same, um, almost the same weight. But the the way he runs looks like he's an NFL running back. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Even even um, Williams right now doesn't look like an NFL running back. He he looks like. Kristen Michael, right? Yeah, There's a yeah. Cut. Kristen Michael just runs into the hole. The guy spamming Montgomery. the X button on the old uh, Madden on PlayStation. Yes, yeah. <laughs> double hands. Exactly. You know, you, you think of Brockington, or you think of uh, you know Terrell Davis, or you think of Amon Green. Mm-hmm. There's a certain way a running back looks, right? And, and that whole offense, that's that um, zone blocking scheme, is a one cut scheme. You go down the line, find a crease. Stick your foot in the ground, turn it up, and that's not. I just I haven't really seen that mm-hmm. um, from Ty Montgomery, and so um, you know Aaron Jones. I was really I was a huge Williams fan coming. Yeah. Out. loved the pick. I still think there's something there, uh, but many people said Aaron Jones was kind of the steal of the three of them, and uh, I think we saw some things that are pretty interesting against a really good defensive line as well mm-hmm. and, and linebacker group. Yeah, so it seems like he might be the guy in Dallas. Ty Montgomery hasn't been ruled out yet, so that's a good sign. Initially, they were talking broken rib, and uh, I saw a comment somewhere on, it was just a joke on Twitter, but somebody's like, well, what's the problem? He's got like 11 others. <laughs> but uh, obviously, that's a serious injury, as we saw with, what was that, Randall Cobb, who had a puncture. And, yeah, you know, sure, exactly. Pretty scary, but... um. So real quick, we're at the quarter point of the season as we wrap up talk on the Packer game. Then we want to rapid fire some NFL talk and then get to crossfire, which I didn't mention uh, at the beginning. Uh, Chris's first crossfire, I hear he's pretty excited about yeah, it's it. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool. Actually, I'm a little nervous, but uh, we'll we'll work our way through it. So after a month of the season, they're three and one, which was probably everybody's best hope for a record with that really tough mm-hmm. two game stretch to start the season. Uh, they took care of business um, to varying levels of comfort in right, the last right. two games. Uh, so have your expectations about potential divisions, first-round buys, championships, are those all still the same? What, I guess, are your expectation levels the same? And then also, what is the biggest 
thing that you're hopeful about, mm-hmm. and what's your biggest concern? Well, so three and one, if that's a quarter of the schedule, if you go three and one every, the other three quarters of the schedule, you're 12 and four, and you have first round buys, and, and you're hosting NFC championship games and all those other good kind of things. So I'm really thrilled with where they are. You know, when it, when we sit down and take a look at the, the schedule, you're always, you know, <laughs> when it comes out and it's months before there's any football out there, you go, you know, win, loss, probably win, win, loss there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was firmly in the belief that if they won one of the first two between Seattle and Atlanta, um, that they'd be in really good shape, and three and one is about as as good as you can ask for. Yep. So, so uh, I think they're meeting expectations and are still not nearly the team that they are when they're complete, uh, and they've done it with with uh, you know ranks that are not full. Um, so I, I'm impressed. Uh, but the the biggest thing I will tell you is the play of King and the play of Josh Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget about whether they're they've knocked down. Pat- they're, I've been saying it for you know since the five weeks ago when we started. They're so much more athletic, and you're watching people come off the edge like you're coming. Josh Jones come off the edge like Clay Matthews used to, and it looks like he got shot out of a cannon. Yeah. So um, I, I think we have the players. Okay. Right. Uh, and so now what happens is so we always talk about is it the players or is it the scheme? Well, you play the same scheme if you don't think you have the players, and once yeah. you realize you do have the players, now you can adapt the scheme to, to do something different. And I think that's what we saw in Atlanta, which is we're not sure that we have something better than last time, yeah. and so we're going to play the same kind of defense because we don't have confidence in our new guys, and you know, not surprisingly, the result was very much the same. So I think the best is to definitely yes to come from the Packer defense. I think, I think you have the, the potential here to have, you know, 15, 18 turnovers in a season mm-hmm. from this Packer defense because they're um, they're running the ball, they're ripping the ball out, but more importantly, you're going to see a lot more interceptions because you have good pressure from the defensive line and you have really, really good cornerbacks uh, backing them up. So that's what I'm excited about, and the running game is yeah. is the thing I'm concerned about. I, you know, that's fair. Um, our only hope, of course, is that you have two running backs left. Isn't that crazy? Two running backs left and then uh Rukowski, who have actually been running backs before. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it were if it were me, I would take Devontae Adams and I would take Jones and and I would say, "Listen, um, you know, when when Williams comes back, totally fine, but I, I don't think he beats out um Aaron Jones. I, I think even though he was drafted before, yeah, yeah. you have a much more versatile back coming out of the backfield because I don't see Williams catching a lot of flares, and and I think Aaron Jones on a screen pass is really good. So uh, I think you got to commit to somebody, right? So so this whole by committee thing mm-hmm, is like, mm-hmm. well, if Ty Montgomery works, then we'll go to Williams, and if he doesn't work, well, then we'll go to Jones. And yeah. you know you can't game plan like that, and you sure as heck can't teach uh, an offensive line to block because they're all different kinds of runners. Yeah, yeah. So do I hold my block? Do I get off my block? and I go to the second level to get the guy because the guy's going to make it through on his own? Are we going to pile drive through these? Mm-hmm. You know, So the, the players who are blocking for him has to know who's back there, and this revolving door help, uh, really hurts the offensive line. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. I, I think the 3-1 and one record is really uh, I'm excited about, so all of their uh, goals are still on the table. You said you go 3-1 and one in every quarter. I think that's the goal. One of those quarters, you got to go Forno. Yeah. If you're going to host Atlanta in the NFC Championship well, game. And we got a little help this week. We did, which we'll get to. <laughs> um, but I, I, I like that. I, I think the secondary is the, the part that perhaps is both for me, is that if they play up to their potential and all stay healthy, uh, you got a chance. you got to start getting some contributions for those 2015 draft picks in Rollins and Randall. But, uh, you know, House has been okay when he's healthy, and King's been okay, played a lot of snaps mm-hmm. so far. Josh Jones looks like he has the potential to be special. 
But if you get injuries or if some of these guys are just peaking early and maybe fading down the stretch, you have the same problem you had last year. So it's, to me, too early to call that race. Um, It could go either way. It could be awesome. It could just be okay. Or it could be a real big problem come December. So a a sign of hope here. Remember what happened. So Randall gets taken off the field. Who fills in for him? Hawkins. Yeah, and he did okay. Hawkins comes in and he plays. Uh, I you know he didn't play like a like a first like your number one corner, but he certainly played your, like your number two or three. Yeah. So now if you think about King and you think about Hawkins and you think about um, House and that you really have. Th- I mean, what you need is you need three really yeah. good cornerbacks that you can rely on. And even if that doesn't include. Quentin Rollins or mm-hmm. Randall, you have three now. Yeah. So I, I think you're in a pretty good place. Well, and, and just to tamper our enthusiasm a little bit about Josh Hawkins, I think a slick patch of grass could have covered those bears. <laughs> so we'll see what happens once they're playing Tampa and New Orleans yeah. and you know some of these teams that well have done. real weapons. Well done. <laughs> okay. I, I just have gotten tired from watching other teams' players run away from ours. And no, so that's true. I, I, they may score, but we'll be right next to them. It's nice to play a team that you can catch <laughs> yeah, exactly. when they catch it. Okay, week four. So as I said last week on the podcast, I know, Chris, you weren't here, so you have no reason to doubt me. I said, everybody, take Rams over Dallas, Panthers over Pats in Foxborough. Definitely take Buffalo down in uh, Atlanta. So clearly I knew that was coming. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I think Weird I need week. St- I need, if, if that's true, I need stock tips from you. I think I think you got to give up this gig and go right into the stock market because if you pick those games, holy masta choli, do you have a, a <laughs> uh, you know a crystal ball? Yeah, a lot of people lost in their survival uh, survivor pool this week. I think so. Out of those three big ones, those are the headlines. Which one was more most eye opening to you? Well. You know, I, uh, early on, I picked the Pats to go to the Super Bowl against the Packers, if you remember one of yeah. the first things. They've looked incredibly uh, vulnerable yeah. at home. Yeah. You know, they don't lose at home. It's a little bit like the Packers at yeah. home. And they've lost two at home. Now. And should have lost three. They should have lost three at home, right? So so this is not um, – you know, their offense isn't what it was, and their defense is an absolute sieve. Yeah. Mean, you, know, we, you know, we can feel bad about our defense right up until we look at them. So – um, but I, I thought Tom Brady, though, you know, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, I thought that somehow he would just will his defensive teammates to always win when he plays perfectly. Welcome to Aaron Rodgers' world, Tom Brady. Exactly right. You know, you, you can't – you can only do so much. And, and um, you know, it was really interesting because we talked a lot about when, when quarterbacks fall off or when teams – if you really think about it, teams fall off, championship teams, like even the Steelers, right? Mm-hmm. Four Super Bowls, oh, my gosh. And then they got really old and really bad really fast. Yeah. Um, the Packers in the in the sixties, you mm-hmm. know, they got really old and really bad really fast. Yeah. If you remember the seventies well, <laughs> in sixty eight I think they were under five hundred. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, two years removed and you're uh and there you sit. So um I think that's it. I think everybody was has been kind of hoping it would happen over the last five <laughs> or six years. And now I think you're seeing the um you know they're they're human. They're yeah. vulnerable, and um, and you know he can't play de- he can't play defensive back. So uh, I think they're in trouble. Yeah. So that definitely was a shock because uh, Carolina's been so anemic offensively mm-hmm. too. So that's a that's a big eye opener and a big problem for the Patriots. Bills Falcons. It's kind of an eye opener, but Atlanta always gives games away to teams that aren't that good. Matt Ryan seems to be really locked in on what Dom's doing, mm-hmm. but he'll always lose a weird one to an AFC team or something. To me, the biggest surprise. Uh, I don't necessarily think Dallas is a thirteen and three team again, but. The Rams, not only are they playing well, but 
the quarter point MVP of the season is Jared Goff. It's, it's unbelievable. The same guy who looked like he was lost on the football field last year. Yeah, absolutely. And here's a number. I don't want to go too advanced stats for people, but there's a stat. It's adjusted yards per pass attempt. So how many yards do you get when you go back to pass, including sacks and um, accounting for touchdown interception ratio, whatever? You don't have to know exactly how it's calculated. Right now, he has a 9.39 yards adjusted per pass attempt. So every pass attempt should net 9.39 yards. Okay. That is tied if he would be able to keep this pace for the rest of the season. That is tied for second best single season in history with Aaron Rodgers in 2011, who's like everybody's go-to for the most productive quarterback ever, only trailing 2004 Peyton Manning in the year we threw 49 touchdowns and basically destroyed the league. So that's the level of efficiency that Jared Goff is playing through four games. It's not going to last, I guarantee it, but the fact that he's even capable of this after how bad he was last year is a total shock to me. Well, uh, so so Goff has another year of... um of uh, experience under his belt, but who did they get at wide receiver? Uh, they got Watkins. Sammy Watkins, right? Gurley's healthy. Right, exactly right. And uh, Sean McVay yeah, turns so, out to be a heck of a coach. Yeah, exactly right. So so you see a lot of things coming together there where, you know, uh, a bad quarterback, a new bad quarterback on a bad team, it makes for a bad team. Uh, a good quarterback on a bad team makes for a bad team. <laughs> Um, but what you're seeing now is, and, and that defense is real. I, the, the Rams' defense is real. Aaron Donald. He might be the best defensive player in the league. I, I'm telling you, he looks he looks like the reincarnation of Reggie White yeah. playing inside. He's kind of unbelievable. So um, that uh, that's a really good one, actually. That mm-hmm. surprise is coming. And, and the fact that Dallas isn't who they were last year, uh, I think people are in Green Bay happily surprised, but yeah. shouldn't be so surprised. They lost um, two offensive linemen to retirement. And then three defensive backs to yeah. free agency. And so I don't care who you are. You lose that many players and you try and replace them with, with backups or draft choices. And, um, you know, I don't think they're the team they used to be. Yeah, and hopefully that continues at least for one for more week. For one more week, actually. <laughs> and who knows what will happen with the uh, Ezekiel Elliott uh, appeal kind of that's coming yeah. up uh, tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so there's a lot coming up for that. Um, the Rams are coming together. What shouldn't have come together is those uniforms that they wore. Um, they're wearing the 60s Rams pants, the 60s Rams helmet, and then the St. Louis Rams gold tops. It looked to me like they had the original gold helmets, but like the aisle at the old Blockbuster video that was facing the sun and all of the boxes were whitewashed, that's what their helmets looked like, that the gold helmets had just been sat in the sun for about six years, and then they decided to wear yeah, when I see them, I, 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 you know, that's a really funny uh, metaphor. Um, what I see is it, it's like somebody got off the plane and said, hey, you packed the gold helmets, right? <laughs> what, what, you didn't pack the gold helmets? Well, what do we got laying around here? Yeah, well, yeah. we got a bunch of helmets from the 60s we can use. It's better than nothing. Let's go. It looks weird. Yeah, I, I, it you does. Know, uh, it, it just it, it, it looks like it's not well thought through. I, you know, maybe so, – so, but think about it this way. Maybe it's an homage – uh, the pants and the helmet are an homage to Los Angeles. Yeah, and the uh, and the you know the jersey is an homage to St. Louis. So who knows? Well, it's if that's the case, it still stinks. <laughs> if you're going to be a good team, and Jared Goff is like an MVP candidate, if you get to like week eight and you're six and two, you got to go the old school Jim Everett, <laughs> Eric Dickerson, Rams throwbacks for the rest of the year. You can't have a team dressed like that in the playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's unacceptable. That's pretty ugly, actually. That's. Um... 
Yeah, uh, but you know, it, it shows you that it's the players inside the uniform, I suppose. But I, I just wondering what marketing genius came up with that. And then, can you imagine the meeting where they said, "Well, this is what we're going to do," and everybody looked at it. Everybody looked around for somebody to say that that looks terrible. <laughs> nobody said, and they went, "Yeah, that looks yeah. great, man. Let's go with that." They're like nobody's going to watch these games. Right, exactly. So it's the Rams for goodness. It's sake. the Rams. All right, so um, right before we get to crossfire, real quick, uh, we had the. Battle of the second best teams in the NFC North in a pretty lousy game, the Lions and Vikings. Big story, Dalvin Cook blowing out his knee. Uh, sounds like a near-complete tear of his ACL. Um, not that anybody wants to see these injuries, but it, it was very similar to Packers rookie Eddie Lee Ivory, who had just as much fanfare ahead of him when he came in 79. I put that up on Twitter. Uh, just It's so crazy how similar those two were. But couple of things. Uh, now, taking into account the Delvin Cook injury and Detroit actually did win the game, um, how good are either of those teams and are either a big threat? Well, you know, Minnesota was always banking on their defense to, to make them good. And Case Keenum, you know, threw for, what, a million and a half yards last week or something like that. It was yeah. some unbelievable show. I don't think you can keep that up. I think I think Dalvin Cook was really the the play-action uh, threat that really, you know, sets up the sets up their passing offense. So the Vikings are in trouble. Um you know, who knows how long Bradford's going to be out. I think this is one of those years where they're almost good, and mm-hmm. then they have some pieces that will come back next year. Detroit confuses me. I, yeah. I'm telling you, that is a talented team that almost looks good every single week, but but manages to lose games all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. all you have to do is go back to the right the, the, the Hail Mary yeah. to, to Rodgers to, um, to remember that. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, on, a, on another team. So so I, we were having this conversation earlier. If the Packers had to trade their quarterback for one other quarterback, my choice would be Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Now, that's heresy. I know that people are probably going to you know throw things at the – Nobody cares the, about the Lions. There's no vitriol for the Lions, yeah. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Well, we beat them too many times in a row yeah, for it to be <laughs> really bad. Um, listen, I, I think you've got – I think – you know, you've got a nine and seven Lions team. I think you've got uh, a six and nine. Or I'm sorry, a seven and nine Vikings team. I think you have a three and thirteen Bears team, and I think you've got a eleven and five Packer team. Yeah, I would agree with those assessments. So before we get to crossfire, let's get to our comments on the Facebook page. We had a, a few of our, our great fans. Uh, take part in that so daniel johnson uh wanted us to talk about the injuries which we did a little bit also green bay wins without having a lot of passing yards rogers goes above his 2.2 touchdowns per start average which um we talked about that or i talked about that last week on the show is that aaron Rodgers has an outside shot of catching peyton manning because he's throwing touchdowns at such an incredible pace so uh, he's at about 2.2 touchdowns per start um manning is the only one above two in the history of the NFL. Oh, my God. So he's got an outside shot if he plays long enough. Um, the Patriots are 2-2, two and two, as we talked about. The Texans' huge win. So we didn't get into that too much. The Texans have been the team that I've always referred to as just the most boring. I want them banned from the playoffs. <laughs> Deshaun Watson was one of the most electric college football players yeah. in a long time and if that's able to translate i might uh, lower my stance and say all right fine the texans can play in the playoffs the bengals are still banned uh, yeah, the, the bengals are the bengals they've always been the, the, the bungles uh <laughs> and, and you know it, it's teams like the bengals and, and chicago you just wonder how anybody keeps their job in the front office yeah how can you be that bad that long in in a in a league that has a salary cap that's trying to to make sure that everybody has an equal chance of winning yeah um that's not a good football team. No, and uh, Texans, I think, will be okay. To do what they did to 
Tennessee, who was everybody, everybody's been waiting for the last couple of years for Tennessee to overtake Houston. Mm-hmm. And I know Mariota was injured, but for that defense to just get totally torn to shreds, maybe nobody's overtaking Houston. They're just going to keep outpacing these guys. Well, and remember that the last few years, the only reason Houston's won any games is because their defense was so good. Yeah. I mean, their <laughs> offense has been so pathetic and so anemic for so long. Now you put a dynamic playmaker uh, at quarterback and you have that same defense. Remember, you've got Clowney on one side mm-hmm. and uh, – uh, Watt. There's some guy on the other side. I can't remember his name. I can't, can't remember what his name is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if they ever need a boost, there's always Brian Cushing's locker. You know, so <laughs> so so I think I think you have the makings of maybe not this year, mm-hmm. uh, but I think you have the makings of one of the up and coming teams that in the next two years is, is going to show themselves in the AFC. Absolutely, and then we'll get to Daniel's other question in Crossfire. Eric Hansen also added a comment. I was happy to see the first dominant win on both sides of the ball this year. That said, there's still a few things that concern me. First, injuries. That was a brutal game for injuries for both teams. I just hope everyone's okay in the long term. Second, for the first time in years, I'm very concerned about the offensive line. I know injuries are playing a role in this, but I really think that the lack of a run game and inability to extend drives in part comes to the fact that the Packers' offensive line has taken a big step back. It's really hard to be a serious contender in the NFL without a good offensive line, so it's concerning. Finally, while I think the defense has played well over the past six-plus quarters, as the old saying goes, we've seen this movie before. It's typical of Dom's defenses to play well against bad and young quarterbacks, but then when they face a top-level quarterback, they end up pretty much having their best game of the season against Dom's defense. Also, outside of the Seattle game, I haven't seen the front seven be able to consistently get pressure. Again, as has been discussed, it's pretty much impossible to be a contender in the NFL without at least a good defense. At least a good defense. And I really can't give Dom's defense the benefit of the doubt as being a good defense until I see them shut down an elite quarterback. All in all, I'm happy with the 3-1 and one start and think this team has potential, but because of the reasons I named, I'm not just ready yet to consider them a serious contender. Well, I would tell you, I think you sound like an awful lot of people uh, in Wisconsin or and around the country who are Packer fans who are, you know, hope springs eternal. And sometimes we have that hope when there's no real hope that we should have. But in this particular case, you see glimpses of you want to see that Atlanta loss, you know, take away that Atlanta loss, right? So if we were three and oh, without, and we'd never played Atlanta, we'd be, you know, uh, CBS on NFL on CBS would be talking about the Packers as the world beaters and the second coming of Lombardi and all that stuff. That loss to the Falcons is, um, you know, it, 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 it showed every weakness you have, and you just can't, you can't ignore it. Absolutely. And Omain Mousley adds a comment. Uh, great to see Omain back commenting again this season. It feels so nice to be ahead in the rivalry against the Bears. History is cool to witness. As for the game itself, it was dominance all around. Aaron Jones showed some promise. Aaron Rodgers was on fire, and the defense got two picks and have now led to the benching of Mike Glennon for Mitchell Trubisky. It's a nice 3-1 start, and if they play like this against Dallas next week, we should be able to see this team go very far in January and February. As for the ugly, the injuries were brutal. It seemed sucked seeing player after player go down, and Demarius Randall's hissy fit didn't help matters <laughs> up. Uh, the hit on Devontae was gross and disgusting. I'm glad Trevathan was suspended and that Devontae is okay, but I hope the NFL implements targeting because he should have been ejected for that, and because it's those types of hits that turn people away from football and make everyone question the point of playing the sport. That's certainly a great point. And then he has a phenomenal crossfire topic that we'll get in this segment. Get yeah. 
All right, so that signifies the beginning of Crossfire, where we exchange blind topics and uh, debate them in relatively quick fashion. Uh, we've never really successfully quickly debated these, but we'll try the best we can. So, Chris, since this is your first Crossfire, I'll let you have question one. Question number one is, what effect would it would be if they changed pass interference in the NFL to the college rule, where it was a maximum of 15 yards? Wow, that's a great question. Um Ooh. I wonder if it would make teams... Well, it depends. If they called it with the same frequency, I think that would very much help defenses. It might, in the red zone, make things... Well, in the red zone in college, I think you get at the two, I right? Think you do, right. So I think you would definitely get far less of the Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball down the field um, and kind of taking chances with jump balls. I think if they made it the college rule but then re-emphasized it like we've seen in years, uh-huh. I think that would have the potential to make things really annoying. I mean, you'd have guys just taking bunches of um, pass interference down the field. Um, I think that if they called it with the same level of frequency, I think it would make defenses a bit more aggressive, and it might help tip the scales a little bit more towards the defense than it is right now. With that being said, I've said for years on this podcast that I want more defense, and I want more low-scoring games, and I want offense to earn yards, and 2017 has said, Prove it. <laughs> and given me some some of the most low-scoring games. Um, I'm still standing pat. I like that style of football. But uh, I, that's a very interesting question. What do you think? Well, uh, so I think it's the one rule that has to change. Because if you think about it, it's it's the, 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 the most, other than a punt, it's the, the, uh, the play that changes field position the most. And it's completely subjective. Yeah. Like there, there's no, you know, offsides is easy to see. And you can measure it and you can review it. Interference is one of the most subjective calls there is, and we are forever. Or, but but you can give up a forty-yard or fifty-yard penalty mm-hmm. um, because somebody has had a bad day and argued with their wife before they came out to be the <laughs> official on the field. You know, I just and that can be game. It, it it just doesn't right exactly. So it's too dramatic a, a change of field position for it to be allowed to be a subjective thing. So I really like the college rule myself. Yeah, that's a great question. That You wonder how it would change offenses in the NFL. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'd like to see him give it a try because I think right now their help – these offenses nowadays, especially the ones with the elite quarterbacks, they don't need help. So make them earn it. Every rule has been about get, uh, making it easier to throw the ball. How about we just balance the scales a little bit? Absolutely. All right, here's my first for you. It's kind of a two-part question, but I know you're a longtime NFL fan. Um, you have a longer experience being an NFL fan than somewhat that uh, Matt and I have talked about on here. So here's a question I gave him a few years back, and maybe my answer's changed for myself, so I want to debate this again. Part one, uh, who is your favorite Packers player of all time? And number two, who is your favorite non-Packers player of all time? That's great. So um, if you looked in my... um if you looked in my closet, you would know without question it's Ray Nitschke. Uh, Ray Nitschke was um, just the, the epitome. If Lombardi was the coach, the every every man's coach, work hard. Um, you know, Nitschke was not the most talented football player in the world. You know, he was a. You know, he he. You know, take a look at some of the videotape on him. He um. You know, he did not have the speed of Butkus. He didn't have the quickness of Butkus. Butkus. He didn't have. The, he couldn't deliver a hit quite the way that Tommy Nobis could. Now I'm going back. That's and a, a lot great of name. No idea that uh, <laughs> Tommy Nobis name. for the for the Falcons. But but I just think he epitomized. And and I saw his retirement in 1972. I was uh, I actually watched it on on TV, and he was the most humble guy the most grateful Packer that I have ever seen. 
Uh, and here's this big hulking guy, right? One of the best linebackers in the first 50 years of football, crying on the field at Lambeau Field, thanking the fans and the Packers for giving him a chance to get out of the ghettos in Chicago. Wow. Uh, because football was his way out. So for me, yeah. um, yes, he's a great player, yeah. but I think he's a better man. Absolutely. I think he was a better man. And so, um, and uh, his reputation seemed to be that way, that he, he was kind of the gatekeeper of the Hall of Fame, and he would give these fiery speeches about what it meant to be in the Hall of Fame and how it, it need, you need to represent it with pride the same way that you represented yourself. And uh, I remember the outpouring when he passed away in 1998 uh-huh. of just so many guys who didn't play with him but had got to meet him after and – same a lot of the things you said. Just a great guy. Yep. Uh, favorite non uh, Packer or non Packer player? I think probably Bo Jackson. Okay. Uh, he had a, a really shortened career, but when he was playing, mm-hmm. he made everybody else look like children. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm uh, you know now I have to come up with a new a new question because now I was going to ask you what a Bo Jackson didn't get hurt, so now I have to come up with another crossfire <laughs> answer. Uh, well, we can still of, talk about that. This is just about you know who your favorite player. Yeah. Was. So so Bo Jackson, uh, just because. He was so far. I mean, he had he had speed. He had the power of Earl Campbell. Um, you know, he had the speed of Tony Dorsett. And it's not just the Bosworth hit, right? So I, yeah. I love the fact that he ran, ran over Bosworth. But I'm telling you, on some of those long runs, he was running away from cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's a 230-pound running back running away from 190-pound yeah. fastest guys on the field. Um you know, I, so so, uh, and I think, and he was humble. Yep. And interesting, uh, interesting thing, at least according to what I've read about him, he never lifted a weight in his life. I have heard that. Yeah, yeah just p- push-ups, sit-ups, and now like a trazillion push-ups and sit-ups. Um, but self-made man, so th- that's why he's my favorite. That's so awesome. And you mentioned the Bosworth hit. I think that's almost played up a little much because people didn't really like Bosworth. To me, that was your pretty typical bull meeting bull one sort of wins because physics is a thing. Right. But the more impressive play of that game, he had a 90-yard touchdown run where he takes a pitch and, like you said, outruns a whole secondary. And I don't know if people remember, but Kenny Easley just went into the Hall of Fame. Dave Brown was a hell of a player. Seattle had a great secondary, and he just ran past all of them. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the one where he runs into the tunnel at the end. You're exactly right. Yeah, ninety yard run. So I just would, you know, his his uh, what did he play? Four years, five years, maybe Uh, four years. Yeah, and um, I just, you know, he could have been he could have been the greatest running back of all time because he just Mm -hmm. just just this amazing combination of skills. And real quick, my answers to this: my favorite Packer of all time, uh, even given all of the weird stuff, has got to be Brett Favre. Okay, he's just been such an exciting player to watch. Uh, he had kind of the country charm of you know I'm I'm a small town kid and it had all of that. Um, you know the 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 clincher for me obviously is you know the the game he had after his father passed away. I was a kid. My dad had just passed away a few years before that, so that always meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the interceptions bother me in the Minnesota time bothered me but for the most part those Favre years were incredible and I don't know where this franchise would be without Brett Favre you know I don't know if the the NFL would have allowed that experiment to last long enough to even get to Aaron Rodgers if Favre wasn't there my favorite non-Packer player so I want to say Dan Fouts but I never saw it in real time oh he was fantastic and I've seen tons of games since he's so much fun to watch I mean he's just a guy who does not care he'll drop back to pass straight back, seven steps, and just throw it no matter what rush or what coverage. But to me, my favorites that I saw in real time, these are going to sound weird. 
The one is Drew Bledsoe. Always loved him. Okay. He was a statue, but again, he was a guy who he'd have some real stinkers, but he would never stop throwing. Okay. And I always liked that as a kid. And the other one, who might even be more uh, my favorite than Drew Bledsoe, who just retired, Steve Smith. Oh, yeah. Uh, Completely dynamic player. Uh, I always think of the 05 playoffs where basically they had nothing for the Panthers and he beat two teams by himself. In the NFC Championship game, Seattle's like, Steve Smith can't beat us. So they triple covered him the whole game. It shut down the Panthers' offense. Steve Smith still scored a punt return touchdown to keep <laughs> Carolina in the game. He was unbelievable. And, and you know, he, when he goes on Jim Rome's program, he carries with him this article that said the, the, the draft review of him that, you know, that they, I don't know if he was third or fourth round, but that, that uh, you know, the Panthers really wasted a third round pick on what, what can only end up being an average punt returner. <laughs> And so I think he really carried that chip on his shoulder and, and not an enormous person either. I mean, he no. just did it through perseverance and, uh, and will. He's a guy who needs to be in the Hall of Fame that yeah. maybe doesn't have the numbers of like a Marvin Harrison, but he's catching passes from Matt Moore and, and Chris Winkie and mm-hmm. Jake DeHolm. So we'll see. Uh, okay, Chris's turn. So my question is, considering that Bart Starr was pretty much a system quarterback, mm-hmm. how good are the Packers in the 60s without Bart Starr and who maybe Zeke Bradkowski is their, is their quarterback? That is a really good question. I feel like they probably still win at least one championship okay. without Bart Starr. I don't think they win five they got to the playoffs in large part because of how dynamically balanced of a team they were. The The first two, I'll, I'll say this, in 60, 61, and 62, mm-hmm. I think whoever they have at quarterback, they're winning a championship one of those sure. years. They're not winning in 66 and 67 without Bart Starr. Um, he tore apart Hall of Fame-laden defenses in both games against the Cowboys and both of the first two Super Bowls, and... Horning's gone. Jim Taylor's only on one of those teams. So they win those two. They don't win those two without Bart Starr. They probably don't win um, 65, 61, and 62. They probably get one of those three without him. Yeah, I think think he's, uh, you know, people talk about Starr with this great admiration, you know, 17th round pick out of Alabama and all that stuff. But if you watch some of his games, I had an opportunity. Now, I, I only saw him, again, I saw him in 72 when he was yeah. a shadow of himself and he couldn't throw an out anymore and he was getting picked off and stuff. And that was really hard to watch considering what I had heard about him. But the surgical precision that mm-hmm. he played the game with, and he's the one that allowed them to have balance. Because if they just have Horning and Taylor back there, you can load up against that. Yeah. And and if you look at you know look at their receivers, right? So Carol Dale mm-hmm. and Max McGee are not exactly Bob Hayes. No. <laughs> right? They remind me of Jordy Nelson a little bit. <laughs> but good one. Um but but you know, so his uh and everything he throws is on time, which is really cool. He's he's you know three step balls out, five step balls out. Um but also he took some punishment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He got you know, you're talking about playing against the Rams with Merlin Olsen and Deacon Jones and Butkus and, mm-hmm. you know, when you could still hit a quarterback. Yeah. And so for Doug him to, Atkins, that's the guy I was trying to think oh, of. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> so, so you can go that long uh, in that kind of offense. And not only that, he had to have the right personality to be able to both be able to interact with Lombardi mm-hmm. but stand up to him at the same time as yeah. well. And so um, I think I think as much as Star is in our lore, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't really – we we talk about it from our heart when we talk about 
yeah. Rodgers and Favre, but we don't really put him in that league. Go back and watch some games. You'll put mm-hmm. him right back in that league. Well, and he contributed a lot to that, too, because you'd hear him with interviews. I remember him saying specifically on one of those America's games that Brett Favre can throw better on one knee than I can standing up. And I think he always perpetuated this humble nature that we're a great team Aw, and it's all about leadership. Of, yeah. Exactly. I mean, he's an Alabama kid. He's like, well, you know, whatever. Right. I don't want to be uh, braggadocious or anything. But, yeah, some of those... I think I don't know if he was the athletic star of like uh, star of Johnny Unitas or Sonny Jurgensen or some of those, but yeah, he had that precision. Maybe he's that the Tom Brady of that generation. Where boy, that's fast. I never thought of that. That's kind of brilliant. Is uh, not going to run the ball very often, but moves in the pocket incredibly well. Knows where all his receivers are mm-hmm. um, and can throw great, it accurately. With that's a, a great arm. comparison. I love that. Never thought of it. All right, so here's a really good question. Um, we're going to go to Omade's question uh, real quick here because it was really good, and I wish I'd had more time to think about it, but hence the point of Crossfire. There we go. If you could combine any two teams in NFL history, which would you pick? He's talking take one offense and one defense. So his wow. example is I would take the 2013 Broncos offense with uh, the 55-touchdown year of Peyton Manning, best uh-huh. offense ever, highest scoring, with the – 2000 Ravens, lowest scoring defense uh, in the history of a 16 game season. So, I know this is real hard to think of on the spot, but uh, who who are a couple that you would combine? It can be for who you think would be the best, who you'd most like to watch. What are you thinking? Right. Um, so, uh, I, I think people only don't talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 70s because they didn't see them. Sure. Uh, if you had, um, and I don't know whether to choose the the offense or the defense. I'm I'm going to choose the defense. Yeah. I uh, agree. The defense from you know one of the 70s uh, Steeler teams, just punishing and just um, you know people just didn't even really want to play against them at all. And um, you know, I, okay, I'm going to go Homer here. I'm going to go 2011 Packers yeah. uh, Packers offense. You know, yeah. can you imagine those two? Uh, those two together, it, you know, they'd score a touchdown in three plays. Two plays later, they'd have the ball back <laughs> and they'd be one. ready to go again. So that's my pick. I think 2011 Packers and uh, maybe early 70s Steelers. Let's say 72, something like that. I'll give you one just because I'm a nerd. 76 is the one you want. That, okay, all right. Good like deal. five or six shutouts. And that's that's why you are the man, Eric. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna. I'll I'll let you have those ones. I'll try to pick some different ones. I was thinking it more on a team that would be great, but also a team that I'd most enjoy to watch. Okay, so. Defensively, it seems like they probably are mythologized to a level where they're put on a pedestal ahead of teams that were pretty close. But the 85 Bears were legit yeah. in the oh, one gosh. year. Yeah, um, They weren't head and shoulders better than the Giants or the 49ers like they're portrayed. But they were awesome. And from a just a visceral standpoint, watching a team... I can't imagine how much fun that would have been to be a Bears fan, to watch them literally destroy every offense they were playing. They weren't just stopping them, holding them to a four-yard gain on third and ten. They were killing quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, and um, and people didn't want to play them. And, no. <laughs> uh, and, and there were a bunch of real nut. You know, I, I shouldn't say nut. Uh, Steve McMichael's a nut. There, there were a ton of characters on yeah. there. You know, uh, The Fridge and McMichael and, and McMahon and all those guys. Sweetness, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good choice. I like that. And how could I not go with... You know, everybody, maybe I've subtly mentioned it a few times, you know, I'm the pro wrestling fan, so Steve McMichael, you know, a horseman, (laughs) I got to have him on my fake team. 
So if you don't understand that reference, you're going to have to go way back in the archives here. Uh, and there might not even be they, – they, it's so far back, it might, there not, might not actually even be videotape of it. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, there's tons. The Monday Night Wars, man. Okay, uh, the other one on offense. So this is going to be kind of a maybe a forgotten one. But I'm going to take the 83 Redskins. So at the time, they were the highest-scoring team. They had John Riggins, Joe Theismann, Art Monk coming into his own um, – Joe was that Joe Washington I think out Joe of the backfield Washington, 25 right so they had a really dynamic team a very modern offense with almost like a, they had a bruiser at running back then they had a, a scat back they had great wide receivers they used their tight ends really well and I wish there was an offense in the modern NFL that was like Joe Gibbs where it was they'd pound you they'd gut you and they only bothered to throw if it was 30 yards down the field and I, I appreciate that style and I think they're forgotten because they got their doors blown off by the Raiders in the Super Bowl how great that team was offensively and uh, what it took till the 98 Vikings to surpass their most points record so I'll, I'll go with the dark horse and pick them because I enjoy the combo of those two they had, I can't, they had a group of receivers that had a nickname I'm the fun to, bunch the fun bunch there you go <laughs> boy I tell you you are on top of it today um, that that was a pretty fun. Uh, uh, so so Joe Gibbs that year. So he unleashes something called the counter tray. Are you familiar? Yeah. With oh yeah. Yep. So so he unleashes the counter tray, which the the NFL had never seen. We were actually pulling uh, both the off tackle and guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is first of all, you got to be incredibly athletic, and and you know we're talking about the hogs here. Mm-hmm. Um, but this counter tray has one more blocker than anybody has on the side of their defense. And they, you know, they, they could have had an average running back and do that, but mm-hmm. but with uh, with those two guys back there, it was, um, you know, you almost wanted them to throw the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't beat on us anymore. It, it's amazing how some of those runs break open, and there is nobody within ten yards of the running back when he scores. And they had it down pat. It was just beautiful to watch mm-hmm. to see so many pieces moving and it's like how can this work this is just chaotic and then everybody a seal here and a seal here <laughs> and then why i mean timmy smith had 600 yards in his career and 200 in the super bowl running counter tray on people it's crazy the, the, the mesh the timing and the mesh of those many people going through the hole at that time mm-hmm. uh you know if if you again go on you know go on youtube or, or google counter tray and watch that and, and you're watching 330 pound linemen like, like, do a ballet, mm-hmm. you know, doing a ballet in cleats. Mm-hmm. And when it works, though, I mean, they're just playing one more blocker than there are uh, defensive people, and there's nobody left. Absolutely. So that's a little bit, I mean, you already picked the 2011 Packers. That's, you know, the best p- offense in Packer history. But uh, people got to talk more about Gibbs' Redskins. I think they don't have the stars, so people tend to forget about them. But they were exciting, and they were good. Yeah, they were really good, and and I think they they beat you with fundamental football. You know, now we do some things with razzle dazzle, and we throw it up fifty yards. But they were basically we're going to line up mano a mano. You know it's coming, mm-hmm. right? It's like the Packer sweep. Yep. You know it's coming. And so do whatever you can, but we think we're just better than you are. And then once you entrench yourself, we're sending Art Monk 40 yards there down. There you the go. <laughs> Throw it over your head. Okay, so that was a great one uh, by Omade there. And then we had one last one, or a real quick one from Daniel Johnson. When is it time for the Ravens to move on from Joe Flacco? Oh, that's a really great question. So, so uh, when you watch Joe Flacco play, you don't really see a dominant quarterback. No. You, you kind of see... Um, Chucker. You kind of do. Yeah, right. Pat, there's passers and chuckers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he has some plays in history that really, you know, that 60-yard touchdown against the Broncos mm-hmm. that get them into the, uh, the, the, you know, that playoff round. And, um, 
and they call him Joe Cool and all that stuff, but not dynamic no. in the Leafs. And so if you've got great players around him, you can have an average quarterback and he looks amazing. Uh, you know, we're in a place where we have a, a fantastic quarterback that makes average players in some cases in Green Bay look good. Um, but put him on, put him on the Lions. Yeah, they're, they're bad. a terrible yeah. team. So is he blown through all of his Super Bowl goodwill already? I know I he's got a contract protecting him a little bit, but yeah, no, I, I think so. I, you know, so so tell me which starting quarterback you would take less than him. Well, right now he's 29th in passer rating and yards per attempt behind Glennon and Hoyer. Or I'm sorry, 31st. He's only ahead of uh, Deshaun Kaiser right now. Yeah, kind of crazy. And so, uh, you know, not athletic. Mm-hmm. So he's tall. He's not athletic. He's in an incredibly long uh, throwing motion. Yep. Um, he's not good at uh, uh, making stuff off as he go. He's not a good improviser. Um, so there are some there are some players who just get carried to a championship. Um, you know, a number of quarterbacks have should just give their championship check to the rest of the players because they got carried there. Yeah. I think he's one of them. I think he benefited from an amazing defense who gave him a ton of short fields. And, and he played out of his mind, though. In, in his I don't defense, disagree. that that four game run. Somehow he had the absolute undisputed best four games of his career all in a row in the 2012 playoffs. Yeah, there you go. So you know, there, there's your lightning in a bottle again. Yeah, I think probably another year or two just because of the contract is so massive. But I think him and Jim Har or John Harbaugh both are kind of running out of some of that. They've made the playoffs one time since winning the Super Bowl, and it's a little bit of a cautionary tale to teams like the Packers. People forget the Ravens made the playoffs five years in a row, were one of only, by my count, seven teams in league history to win a playoff game five years in a row, and they've been in the playoffs one time since. Yeah, that tells, you know, so you, you, if you don't plan for the future, right, you plan for today, but you plant seeds for the future, and when you get too caught up mm-hmm. and get all your salary cap in the Ray Lewis's of the world and the Joe Flacco's of the world, you know, those backup players eventually become your starters, and if you're not planting those seeds, mm-hmm. it can be a very, very drought-filled season next time. You know, I just, when you were talking about uh, Joe Flacco and kind of how he's he's fading a bit, he reminds me a bit of Drew Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Bledsoe was uh, kind of a cerebral player. He took a lot of chances. He was a bit of a chucker, um, and he wasn't a very athletic guy, and in what 2002 he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league and then his athleticism slipped just a little bit and he was a borderline starter almost immediately and so you could see that happening to Flacco if he loses any bit of the slight mobility that he has yeah so so imagine think about how Tom Brady moves in the pocket you don't even have to be you don't have to be Kaepernick here you don't mm-hmm. have to be you don't have to be Russell Wilson but you have to be able to move in the pocket and when you're that tall and that gawky and every movement you have is so slow mm-hmm. um you just you know those little movements that Aaron Rodgers and and Brady make in the pocket are the difference between that extra second to throw the pass mm-hmm. and not and and he just doesn't have that second. So my last crossfire question and then and then we're done with our first crossfire. Speaking of slow quarterbacks that take a l- really long time to wind up, will the Wisconsin Badgers ever win a national championship in football? I'm no. talking Tyler Hornibrook. No, <laughs> yeah. So, so listen. You're, you, so, first of all, we're so spoiled now. We we forget how bad the Badgers mm-hmm. were in the in the '90s, and um, I think the answer is no, because you you don't have wide receivers and cornerbacks that are the best athletes in the entire country playing there. So, so you can run the ball all you want, but if you look at Alabama, you know they have Amari Cooper. So, so yeah. they have great offensive line, great running backs. And they have Amari Cooper, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I don't care how good your your quarterback is. In the college game, you're not running really accurate routes yet for the most part. And so you're beating everybody with your athleticism. You know, name the most athletic wide receiver in Wisconsin history. Oh, gosh. Uh, 
Chris Chambers, maybe, maybe th- Altoon, 15 years ago. Ka- uh, well, Altoon, 30 years ago. Yeah, so, so you see what I'm saying is if you, if you need balance, and we've seen it. Listen, yeah. we, we, when, when, the, when the Badgers are super good and they play a team like, like Alabama, right, they can run the ball on everybody, and then they can't, and then they're and then they're done because they don't mm-hmm. their wide receivers can't beat anybody just like the Packers right yeah they can't beat anybody and they can it. hang in there for a half I, you know we've seen it against some of the really good teams I mean I know we beat LSU on a fluke and now LSU isn't really a very yeah. good football team anymore although Dave did the inverse when they were good the Badgers kicked the crap out of them and fell apart so <laughs> it seemed like they each right. should have won the opposite game so I think ultimately to get to the absolute to to get to the Clemson level. You know, look at some of the players. You know, when we're when we're drafting, uh, the Packers are drafting. You're praying that they're yeah. they're taking Alabama players and Clemson players and and time in the past, Florida State players. Um, and if you know, you only want them to take Wisconsin players if they're offensive linemen. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a huge Badger fan. Yep. Incredible Homer. I just think you know they'll get to that level right below it, but I just I, I just don't see them being the really athletic, incredibly athletic teams. They had absolutely no chance under the BCS system, like less than zero percent chance. They they had the same chance Bowling Green had. Sure. They just were never going to put together that season. Now with the playoff, I think they have a very slim chance. Mm-hmm. I still would bet against it. I think they'll get into the playoff uh, a number of times. I, I really do too. Like, like maybe potentially this year. <laughs> this year. But I think you're right. It you, you just see Tyler Hornibrook struggle to get away from Northwestern and have trouble. And you know, last year they had maybe the best defense they're ever going to have, and they lost to Michigan, fourteen to seven. Yeah. And then their defense, their offense plays pretty well against Ohio State, and Ohio State outscores them. It it just is. And Penn State, you know, what, what they did, you see some of those other teams in the Big Ten, and I think you're right. One of my biggest frustrations that I have, and Hornibrook, he played rough in the first half against Northwestern. He played better after mm-hmm. that. He's had some flashes, but he's been really bad at other times. Yep. The thing I keep asking myself is, why can't we ever get a quarterback? Why won't this team recruit a quarterback? Well, it's been 25 years. And the only elite-level quarterback that's had any kind of success in the NFL. I'm not talking Brooks Bollinger starting because five other guys got hurt. (laughs) Right. I'm talking Russell Wilson came here on a transfer for one year. Mm -hmm. He'd already graduated from the school he was at, and he wanted a chance to win. So he cherry-picked Wisconsin out of a small group of teams. There's not a lot of 17-year-olds that want to come here and hand off to the running back. Well, and and that's the exact point, right? So running backs do come here because they know they're going to get showcased. Uh, quarterbacks don't come here because they know they're, that they're going to get overlooked. And so, listen, enjoy it while it's here. Uh, you know, the the uh, Chris uh, has done an amazing job. Paul Chris has done an amazing job down there. Barry Alvarez continues to be just, you know, with what with what they're uh, where they're recruiting, amazing things. You know, um, you don't have to be to to be an incredibly good team. You don't have to be a national champion. Yeah. Um, Remember, the, you know, the Badgers were almost a national champion and, frankly, should have been in basketball. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's the lightning in the bottle year. And so uh, we, we've been pretty happy with them being good. And I think just enjoy what you have now yeah. and don't, you know, don't put those kind of expectations on it because you'll ruin what, what is very often a really, uh, really special season. Yep. Sound words from Chris. Zero percent chance I'm going to adhere to that. <laughs> uh, Badgers are definitely going to the playoff and they're going to win it this year. Alabama, I, I'd say they, they're 35 points better than Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is our first ever crossfire with Chris. How do you feel? I, I got to tell you, I was really nervous on the way over here. I seriously was. You know, I started thinking about what are my questions going to be, and then and it popped into my mind. To heck with that! I got to be worried about what he's going to ask me. I don't want to sound stupid. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun and awesome. really. Um, 
uh, it really allows you to kind of free associate and and uh, test your memory. And I love it when they come from the from the fans. Yeah. I just that is just amazing when people send it in because mm-hmm. you and I do a pretty good job of coming up with things. But uh, boy, it, you know, it means the world to us not only when it comes from the fans, but frankly, you guys think about stuff that we would never ever it never occur to us. Yeah, Omade, your question was better than probably any crossfire we ever had. <laughs> right. I, I'm almost embarrassed that I hadn't thought of it yet. That's just a great thing to discuss. Yeah, well so thanks done. for that. Well done. All right, so if you want to contribute to future crossfires, you can do so on the Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can tweet at us at Green Gold Forever. That's the number four, Chris. Number four. That's right. So it'd be one more than three, one less than five. Uh, 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 Yes. Yeah, yes. there you go. Well done. All right. Also, you can email us if for some reason you want to do that. Green and gold podcast at gmail.com. Uh, go to the YouTube page, uh, Green Gold Forever um, on YouTube. We're going to try to upload some of these crossfire type segments on YouTube. Uh, absolutely go to the uh, Podbean page, greengoldforever.podbean.com. They have our complete archives as well as a lot of different blog posts that we've had over the years discussing some of the types of stuff you'll hear on crossfire. And uh, if you want to hear the podcast on the go, download us or subscribe to us on the iTunes app. Uh, Rate us and review us while you're there if you're so inclined. My preferred app for the podcast is the Podbean app itself, which gives you the complete archives all the way back to spring of 2012. So if you want to hear any of our thoughts, and there's crossfires and what-ifs left and right up and down those um, so left, right, up, and down, all directions. All, are all directions, sure. Every, 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 uh, every color of the rainbow. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you can check us out there. All right. Before we break, Chris, what are your expectations for the game in Dallas, and uh, who do you think is going to listen? Win? I, I listen. I, I have been. Remember when we talked about going to Atlanta? We both predicted Atlanta would would win because I really felt that. I think Dallas is not the team it used to be. Mm-hmm. I think if you have uh, if you have any semblance of a running game at all there. Um, I'm really loving what the Packers are doing with the pick plays and the rub plays. Um, I really, uh, I really love the way the defense is coming together. And and this defense, remember, had very, very poor cornerbacks yeah. last time around. Uh, I'm going to say Packers 24, Cowboys 20. I think if they get most of their guys back healthy, particularly if Mike Daniels plays mm-hmm. and they need the tackles, right. I, th- I think if those guys play, I like your pick. I think they have a chance. Um, if those guys aren't, I'm a little less confident. Still have a chance, but sure. I think Dallas has a, a bit of a better chance. I always get a little bit nervous when you are playing a team you beat in the playoffs because you feel like they maybe extra prepare or they circled it on their calendar however that's never helped us in atlanta or against the giants (laughs) or against dallas for a million years in the 90s so i'm sure that's a bit overblown and dallas had us circled for the last several years because of what happened at lambeau field in 2014 and we haven't lost to him since you mean that that catch with that was not even close to a catch like why would they even why would a cowboy fan even try and sell that kind of stuff no i I don't even know i i saw the ball like bounce to des bryant i mean it It was crazy it was like he was it was dribbling it or something Yeah, yeah, that's that's a terrible call. (laughs) And thanks to that call, we got Tony Romo in the booth now, I think. (laughs) uh, Before I leave, great job by Tony Romo. Absolutely. Wow, I'm telling you, he's a breath of fresh air. He's exciting. He's happy. And and by formation, he's calling out what Mm -hmm. play is coming and what the defense is doing. I'm I'm all in. Uh, Tony Robo uh, is probably my favorite sportscaster right now in the NFL. Yeah, I would agree. And we always knew he had a good personality just hearing from the uh, press conferences and stuff. But how quickly it's translated into not only an entertaining broadcaster, but one that really has his own signatures right. is interesting. And so maybe we got a young Madden on our hands. That's awesome. That's the NFL awesome. desperately needs one. <laughs> well, thank you for having me back, Eric. Yeah, thanks for uh, being here, Chris. And uh, hopefully we'll have you again and talk about more Packer victories. Go Pack.
Go Pack, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully we get another win on Sunday. Take care, everyone.